Get behind me, you tempter. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, deceiver. How's that feel? Here is this man that you followed, had believed in. You just had said that he is the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. And then he starts talking crazy. Because the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, is not supposed to be killed. The Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, is supposed to come in on a white horse with a flaming sword and take out the Romans and put back in place the community of Israel. The kingdom of Israel is supposed to rise again with the, at the hands of the Messiah. That's what the Hebrews, the Jewish people, would have been taught and would have believed coming through all the generations. And so in some ways, you can understand, if you, if you know that, you, you understand why Peter would be like, not you, Lord, quit talking about this. But Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Now, Satan, that's a loaded word for a lot of us. But the word really, um, really means tempter or deceiver. Someone, someone who would take you away from the path that you needed to go on. Something that would, that would keep you from seeing what was, what was really happening. And so then Jesus, after, because Peter pulls Jesus aside quietly, right? Like he's supposed to do, right? If you've got a problem with a friend, you go to them. You, you don't tell your 12 other buddies, you go to them. So Jesus pulls him aside quietly, and Jesus turns to the disciples and says to, says to Peter, you get behind me. I mean, this is a public rebuke. And I love the word for rebuke in the Greek, epitomao. Not remarkable in that way, but it actually means, in a way, to wrap someone on the knuckles. So any of you went to Catholic school with the nuns? You were getting a rebuke when you got wrapped on the knuckles with a ruler. I don't know if that happens anymore, but that's, you know, sort of that one of those stereotypes that we have. That was a rebuke, because imagine, that's what it feels like, doesn't it? I mean, have you ever had anybody do a little intervention with you, a little rebuke? That's not the way this is going to be. Sort of feels like you got stung a little bit. Jesus rebukes lots of people in the Bible, especially the unclean spirits and the demons. He's often rebuking them. Come out of him. Don't tell anybody who I am. Those are often rebukes. The word is often used there as the same thing. He's sort of wrapping them on the knuckles, getting their attention, getting them back on the path that they need to be on or that he wants them to be on. And that's what interventions in our lives are often about as well. Interventions come from outside of us, usually. Sometimes they come from a friend. Hey man, this ain't right. We got to get this straight. We got to figure this out. 
Because what you just did or whatever just happened, that's out of bounds. Sometimes interventions come in that very traditional way that we think of interventions, right? You've got a, you've got a family member who's, who's really sick. Either they've got an addiction or, or, or you're in fear for their life. And so you bring people and you intervene and you physically oftentimes take them to a place where they have no control, where they are underneath the leadership and guidance of professionals who are going to help them or try to help them get well. Not a good time if you've ever had to do that with a family member or a friend or someone else. Not fun, especially if someone's not realizing that it's going to happen. But that's how often how interventions happen with us. We don't, we don't see them coming. We're just sort of going along thinking we're doing all right and boom, here it comes. Sometimes an intervention might be your job says, guess what, we're downsizing, you're out. And you're like, oh, path I've been on, that, I've just been sort of lollygagging around here. Like, what, what do I do now? I've lost some control over what's happening with my life. Where do I go from here? Sometimes interventions come because we get a medical diagnosis. And the doctor says, you got to change your lifestyle. You got to change your diet. You got to start exercising. You got to take these pills. Or you've got to go have the surgery and then do the rehabilitation. And it's going to take a while. Oftentimes, interventions happen, and then we are asked to give up our control and go underneath the leadership of someone else who knows better where we ought to go. In the case of this intervention here, Jesus is trying to make it very, very clear that the way that he has to go is the way of the cross. That the way that he has to go is the way of giving everything of himself so that everyone might know what it is to truly live as someone who follows God. That they might know that there is strength in weakness. That that everyone might know that death is not the end, that there is new life. And that when there are interventions in our lives, it might be telling us that something in our life needs to die so that we can have a new life. Right here and now. That something in our life needs to be extinguished so that we can be free to follow Jesus wherever Jesus leads. Most of the time, we, I think, uh, in, in, in church and uh, a, a lot of times, we, we think of Jesus as this, you know, and the Holy Spirit, especially as the comforter, the one who's there for us when things are hard, the one who helps heal, heal our wounds. That's all very true. But there are also times when, when God is the one who challenges us to our very core. When you're reading scripture or you're praying and it comes to you, I am not right. When God challenges you at your very core to say what you're doing and where you're going is not the way that you should go. This is not the way of new life for you. 
I'm calling you to die to this and to come to a new life. And I think I've always said to you, like, when I read scripture, like, I, I, I usually come with a little, you know, a little trembly. Because generally what happens for me, and maybe it's just because I'm, I, you know, I have lots of shame and guilt. So, you know, I was raised by good Lutherans, you know, um, we're just, we're just, you know, we're just neo-Catholics. And so we, we, you know, we, we like lots of shame and guilt. Um, and so, you know, when I come to the scripture, usually it's not, it's, it's not often comforting to me. Maybe God just doesn't think I need a lot of comfort, but maybe I've got plenty. But oftentimes what it is, is, is I, I hear God saying, Joel, you, you got to get right. Get behind me and start following me. I'm doing an intervention with you right now, right in this time and in this place. And I'll be real honest with you, a lot of times those interventions aren't welcome. Right? I mean, how many of us like to really know that we're not doing the right thing or that we've hurt somebody? You know, who, who really, you know, and then there's often other times when we know we're on the wrong path and we just wish, we just wish someone would come to us out of love and say, I'm afraid for you. I want to help you get on the right path now. How can we do this together There are just times when there are people in your life that might be longing for you to say the thing that you thought you might need to say for a very long time. Now, that intervention might be an intervention of love and care. It also might be an intervention of redirection, where it's still love and care, but it's got a hard edge to it. But in all of that, when, when, we are, when we are called to things that need to die in us, the beautiful thing about that is we know that in following Jesus, in following the way of the cross, in letting him lead in our lives, it leads to the cross. Yes, it leads to things dying in us. But what's on the other side of that? The third day. The first day of creation. The day of resurrection. The new life is there. And I think throughout our lives, there are lots of times when we need those interventions, when we need those rebukes from someone who loves and cares for us so deeply that they're willing to risk that for us. And what's beautiful about this whole thing is that Peter then, Jesus doesn't say, leave my disciples. You don't know what you're talking about. He just invites him to get back in a proper relationship. Get behind me. If you get behind me and you follow, you're going to figure out where all of this is going. And we know in the stories that Peter then becomes the first of the disciples. He becomes the one um, which is handed the keys as, as they say, uh, he's the one in the Catholic Church, you know, who was the, the first pope. He's the one who was crucified upside down because of his following Jesus. He gave his life in a similar way to the way Jesus did after he got back behind him. 
Some things have to die in order for new life to come. And so I'm going to invite you today on that sheet of paper that's in your worship folder to just, for a few moments of silence, I'm just going to have you think about the question, what is it in my life that I need an intervention on? What is it in my life that I need someone to come to me and to intervene? Where is it that I need a rebuke, a little rap on the knuckles to get my attention, to get me back on the path? I know it's kind of a scary question. But just remember that the one who walked the path of the cross is the one who rose from the dead. And he is with you to comfort you and to intervene for your new life.